We're going to delay a couple minutes as we're hopefully more are showing up. We welcome those who are watching on the live stream. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody and then And I then I, I I turned around and whoa! <laughs> there they are. Well, I'll use this time to make some announcements. First of all, this Friday and Saturday is our preparation and food distribution. Uh, we would appreciate any help we can get. Get all the help we can get. Yeah, all the help we can get. And uh, if you show up on the Friday, we'll have the barn all heated up for you. Don't have to go outside for anything. And then Saturday, uh, we'll have the, we'll try and get people in and out. It's warmer than it was last month, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's supposed to be. But uh, we can use any help that we can get. If you have any extra boxes floating around, uh, we would appreciate those as well. And no, I do not know exactly the time the truck will arrive. And no, I do, I do not know, I do not know what we will have until they unload it at the, that is at the, at the door. Truth. So, I can't tell you how many times people that will, will uh, what are they going to have this month? You'll find out about the same time I do. All right. So, we need your help. And, uh, oh, on Friday at about 11.30 or so, and then Saturday morning, for food distribution. And uh, those who are here this morning to, uh, I'm going to ask you to just kind of let your eyes gloss over as I tell my Valentine's Day story, okay? You want to tell it again? I'm going to tell it again. I'll be excused. Huh? I'll be excused. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> No, there's no excuse. There's, no excuse. there's no excuse for you. Okay, uh, on Valentine's Day, uh, it's always the question is asked, where does this come from? Is it a Christian holiday? Not necessarily. The, uh, the root in history, there's different uh, variations, but the main gist of the story is this. Our story begins back in 270 AD, 270 AD. Uh, the main focus is the Roman Empire at this time. And throughout the Roman Empire, Claudius is the emperor. And Claudius, he was a very wicked, evil dude. And he hated the church. He hated Christians for one main reason. They were a guilty conscience to the whole country. The whole country was given over to debauchery and immorality. If you've ever read the book, The Fall, Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, this is when it was fallen. The, uh, they had no moral standards. They were a, a people that babies, if you didn't want them, were an inconvenience and you could take them out to the outskirts of town and leave them in a trash dump to die. You uh, also, if you were a Christian and the Christians would go and scoop up and try and save 
the young lives of the, of the babies, and they would be thrown in jail for violating the rules of the emperor. The emperor allowed for great persecution against the church, and it still didn't stop the church. The church just kept on uh, preaching the gospel and getting people saved. And so Claudius, the emperor, realized if he was going to put a stop to this, this group, this Christianity, he was going to have to go with the heart of what they believed and uh, legislate against it. So he said, you know, they are very much into morality and Christian marriage and one man, one woman for one lifetime together. And so he said, that's not how, what we believe. We believe in kind of free love and immorality and whatever. Uh, homosexuality, bestiality, all of these were legal in the Roman Empire. So Claudius made a, a mandate, Christian marriage was outlawed. They could have civil ceremonies and things where anything could go, you could have as many wives as you wanted or whatever, but Christian marriages were outlawed. And uh, many of the churches complied. They, oh, okay. They just not backed like away. Today. Just back, not like today, yeah. They just backed away from it. And if there was a guy, though, in Rome, I know a guy. His name was Valentine. He was a pastor of a church. He was a pastor of a church, and he refused to comply with the law. But in deference to the penalties, he had private secret wedding ceremonies. And they didn't wear rings. They were trying to fly under the radar, so to speak, of the rules of Claudius, the emperor. Well, Claudius found out. Somebody ratted Valentine out for doing illegal weddings. And so he was called before Claudius and rather than comply, he was told to recant his position or die. And so what did Valentine, Pastor Valentine do? He tried to witness to Claudius and win him to Christ. It did not go well. <laughs> Claudius didn't want to follow Jesus. So they imprisoned him and he was on death row. The story takes an interesting turn at this point. He led one of his jailers, at least one of his jailers, to Christ. And the jailer was trying to make his last days comfortable. Uh, and he says, well, the best thing you could do is tell others about, about Jesus. And the guard witnessed to his family and his daughter was saved. His daughter came to thank the one who had led her father to Christ and met Valentine and they fell in love. And uh, they were not able to, of course, get married, but they fell in love. And on February 14th in 270 AD, the day before his execution, this is what Valentine wrote to the jailer's daughter. We don't know the names of either. <clears throat> All my love, your Valentine. 
The next morning, he was taken out and beheaded. He received no support from the churches or anything. They buried him in an unmarked grave. Uh, and this began, a, some of his followers, though, began to take this as a, as a method of spreading the gospel, of spreading on February 14th, sending letters of love to others and expressions of love. So, that's pretty cool. Short, that's, in a nutshell, the story of Valentine's Day. Pastor. Yes. I was wondering about that kind of thing because he says, obey the laws of the land, but yet the laws of the land are against God. Like right now, the Lord Where does it say, obey the laws of the land? It says, he says, oh, what? Tell me where it says. I can't remember that. <laughs> Tell me where it says. It says, no, you submit to the authorities. But what did Jesus say Give when they came up? Yes. When they came to Jesus and said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus' answer was not, of course. He said, you give to Caesar whose name and inscription is on this. You give to Caesar what belongs to him, you give to God what belongs to him. Our devotion. You're to obey those in authority over you. Unless, in the same way that Jesus, he obeyed the authorities over him. Except, they told him to quit preaching the gospel. As, as did the Sanhedrin told Peter and John, stop <coughs> preaching the gospel uh, time and time again. And so Peter said it best when he said, I'm going to leave it up to you guys whether, but I can't stop talking about the name because there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so when God's laws and salvation are against the laws of the land. I agree. You know, that's that's where we take our our marching orders. What? It says obey the laws of the land. Nowadays, the way we live, people are getting engaged, and then they're doing things they're supposed to do after they get married. If they're engaged and they promise to be with each other forever, is that going against being married? I mean, if they're engaged to be married or promised yeah, to each other, they're not married. Give me a second here. I guess. Just a minute. Yeah, they're not married. Yeah, but they promise each other. Doesn't matter. They're, they're not married. married. They do anyway when they get married. They're not married. Whatever. They're not married yet. You have to wait, and there's a lot of people who get upset about that because they have family members. Yeah. I'm speaking for people do that that are engaged and are already in a sexual relationship. And they love each other very, very much, and they ain't messing around with anybody else. And it's still wrong. It's a sin. So, so uh, let me ask you this: Would Jesus say, "Oh, sure, go for it"? Is that what Jesus would say? Uh, he's telling me. No, I'm just kidding. Is no, that I'm what Jesus kidding. would say? No, that is not. You know, Lord, good and well. No, Jesus would say, "Wait until marriage." So, well, we're on, we're on a different subject. I was just telling the story of Valentine's Day. All right. So we are in John's Gospel, chapter 9, and I have a lengthy reading, okay, tonight. A lengthy reading 
Uh, but it's an important story, and so just deal with it. Okay? <laughs> just hang in there and deal. And have your Bibles open to this portion because we have some questions regarding this whole series. John chapter 9. Let's have a word of prayer and get rolling. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon our study tonight. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would come and do his work in our midst and guide us into all truth. Give us something to share with somebody this coming week. Even tomorrow, we pray, Father, you'd use this time in Jesus' name. We pray blessing upon those that are watching on the live stream, those that are sick at home and couldn't be with us. We pray your touch upon their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 9, beginning with verse number 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. This is one of those places, I believe that if it was customary in those days, Jesus would have rolled his eyes. But we'll get back to that. Jesus answered, neither. Neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, Well, he's like him. Looks like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He I don't know. They brought him, who formerly was blind, to see the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. They asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? (laughs) I love this story. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. 
But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened the eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed he was the Christ, Jesus was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Pass the book. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. We want to look at this story and unpack some of the stuff in it. And to start off with that last line, he has said there's a lot of places in this story where people are saying, I don't know. Right? Did you hear? How many of you noticed that it's, I don't know? I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know the other. Ask somebody else. I don't know. What, what do you think? And uh, so we want to look at the one thing I do know, we're going to get to that eventually, but what are some of the things we don't know about this miracle? What are some of the things that we read about in this story that we don't know? Yeah. We don't know why Jesus did the whole clay, you yeah. know, water business. We don't know about the spit on the ground, make clay out of it, put it in his eyes, go to the pool of Siloam? We don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Some theories and ideas. What are some other things we just don't know? That are in the story. We don't know the guy's name. We don't know the guy's name. We don't know his mom and dad's name. We don't know the neighbor's name who saw him. We don't know the name of anybody in this story except Jesus. Right? We don't know everybody who was involved. What are some other things we just don't know in the story? Don't know the man's age. We don't know how old he was. Uh, we know that he, his parents passed the buck said, well, he's of age, ask him. Uh, we don't know. We, uh, so we don't know how old he was, but he was of an age of what we call accountability. And he was called a man, not a lad or a boy or a young man. Uh, so he was probably over 21 as a good starting place. And the uh, moving into ministry, 30 was the age of moving into rabbinical teaching. So we don't know what his age was, but he was, a, he was a, an old enough person to answer for himself, not his parents. What else don't we know? Look in there. There's a bunch of unknowns. We don't know if he's a sinner or not. We don't. We don't know his spiritual condition, do we? We don't know a thing about his spiritual condition or his parents, except what Jesus says about them. What else don't we know? Or what somebody else doesn't know? Anything else we don't know?
What did the parents know or didn't know? They didn't know how it happened. They didn't know. They, 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 they actually did know what had happened, but they played dumb. I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Some of us aren't playing when we do that. But, uh, but they said, it tells us right after it, we don't know who did this to him. But they said this and answered that way because they knew that the Pharisees were going to kick anybody out of the synagogue that uh, confessed that Jesus might be the Messiah. So they didn't know, kind of didn't know. Uh, but they weren't owning up to it. What else don't we know? What didn't the man know, the blind man? What didn't he know? He didn't know who did it. He did, he didn't know Jesus' name. He said it right away. <laughs> when they asked him, who did this to you? He said, I met this man named Jesus. Yeah. But what else didn't he know? Says in the, that's the reason I had to keep that open there. <laughs> he didn't know some things. Well, since he was blind, he didn't know what Jesus was going to do for him. No, he didn't know. Uh, he Jesus passed by and picked him out. He didn't didn't say that there was any discourse between them. He didn't know where he went after he. Yeah, he didn't know where Jesus went. He was totally un. You know, he was he was thrilled being able to look around and see. And they said, "Well, where is he?" I don't know. It's just a lot. Of, I don't know him uh, going on. What else don't doesn't people know in this story? They don't know where he is or where Jesus is. Yeah, you don't know where he went, don't know where he is. Where does this take place? You don't know? Yes, we do. Yes, uh, we know that. A trick question. No, no. No, we know where it happened because he was on the Temple Mount. Oh, this was after he taught in the sequence yes. of our chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9. He's walking along and... Uh, He's near the Pool of Siloam, uh, which is just down from the Temple Mount. Jesus has been teaching on a regular basis. He's in Jerusalem, but he is discipleless, right? Do we know where the disciples are at this time? No, we do not. We don't know. We don't know. Jesus is on his own here. Anything else we don't know in this story? Anybody? He said he was a prophet. He said he that's what he believed him to be. He did not call him Messiah, he called him a prophet. prophet. So he did not know his true identity as the Son of God, as Messiah. The Pharisees didn't know Jesus' spiritual condition. What did they say about him? They said he was a sinner. They said he's a sinner. And, uh, and then what, the one kind of the others and said, "Well, if he did this miracle, how do we ground this square bag?" Yeah, yeah. So they they didn't know about his spiritual condition. They didn't know about the accusations of the Pharisees and uh, about Jesus. Uh, I don't know. So there was a lot of things that we don't know here in the story. Anything else that we just don't know in this story? But what one thing do we know, according to the blind man? He was blind, and now he sees. Once I was blind, but now I see. 
The important thing is what he does know. He doesn't know what put him into the situation. He's not even asking that. But let's go back and look at the whole story and walk through it together. And we start off, Jesus is walking and his disciples, yes, they are with him, but not. there was no indication of when they showed up. Uh, we don't know where they've been. We just know that when he was teaching in the, in the temple last week, remember that? We were he was teaching in the temple last mm -hmm. week? Remember that? Uh, yeah. We don't know where they were for that. But now they're with him again. And they're walking along, and they see a blind man begging. And what don't the disciples know? They pose a question. What don't they know? Or think that they know that they don't know. Beginning of the story. Well, they're asking, you know, who sent the parents of the... They don't show any compassion for the blind man, okay? They're just saying, Jesus, uh, we've got a question here, uh, theoretical question. Uh, who sinned, that man or his parents, so he was born blind? It was obviously common knowledge that he was born that way. Now, that's the reason I believe Jesus kind of rolled his eyes. What about that question is uh, a little strange. They're assuming that sin or that some kind of ailment or, or condition was always brought upon by someone sinning. Right. But the weird part about it is if he was born blind it couldn't have been him, huh? <laughs> he was born blind if sin is a willful act, you know, not too many original sin, I understand, but, right. you know, who sinned, plural, uh, this man or his parents. So they had a, a, an askew view of sin and the cause of blindness or whatever, uh, but they didn't really care so much about the blind man. Jesus did. What does Jesus answer to them about the reason of this man's blindness? What's Jesus? Well, his answer. What he responded. He said, "Neither sin." Yeah, neither one. Can you imagine the face on the disciples? They thought they'd ask a good question. Have you ever been in a class situation or something when somebody? Or, or you're watching a, uh, a news conference. You ever watch news conferences? And they think they've got a question that is just going to rock the world. And it gets thrown back at them and they look stupid for asking the question. Mm -hmm. I, I think of after, uh, you know, there's some tragedy, uh, some murder, some accident, something happens, and the news reporters go up and ask, how do you feel? You know, <laughs> you know, what's going through your mind? What's going through my mind is you've just asked me a stupid question. But they, they just, 
shoved the microphone in their face and asked away. And I, I'll be sitting watching the news and I'm, oh, come on, you know. Come on. How do you think they feel? You know? I do have one question about news reporting. How do they find the person who has absolutely not a tooth in their head to do a close-up photo of in an interview? Have you noticed the dental hygiene issues are rampant in Columbus News reporting? Well, it's, I don't know. So Jesus says, neither this man or his parents sin. This blindness is not a result of sin. What does Jesus say about it? Where did it come from? It was not caused necessarily by their sin. It was allowed so that God's glory could be displayed. Boy, that poses a whole lot of other I don't knows. Doesn't it? How many of you have been with those who, they have to have a reason why everything happened and well, why did God allow that? Why did that happen? Why, why, why is that? Why is that? There's sometimes when our best answer may be, I don't know. Why are we so afraid to say that? Well, maybe you're not. Uh, but it's, it's a tendency. People don't want to admit they don't know. Why, why is that? Why is that such a human nature say. Huh? They're afraid of what people might say about their answer. You don't know. <laughs> what are some other? Yeah. Well, there's always that know-it-all using a conversation. If you've got four people, you're probably going to have at least one know-it-all. Yeah. So. He knows everything. <laughs> Never met a question he couldn't bluff his way through. Yeah. I think they're afraid that there might not be an answer or a good answer. So that's scary. Yeah, people can't handle yeah. the unknown. They, they, they don't want to suggest that there is no answer or that there's an answer, but I just don't know it. It's a scary thing for some. Yes? He said, uh, neither had this man sinned nor his parents, which you said already, but the works of God should be made manifest in him. So the whole purpose is, no matter if he's blind or something else, is God's work's going to be done. And if he had to be there for a reason, that was it. So God's work manifested. The purpose for this man's blindness so that Jesus could step in. It was preordained by God that even though this man was born blind, there could have been a variety of reasons for that. But Get your eyes off the sin and realize God allows some things to happen so that he can step in and correct them. Amen. He allows some things to happen. Now, could he stop all bad things from happening? Theoretically, he could. But that would eliminate free will. Would it not? You know, well, why did God allow the 
the Egyptians to take those Israelites captive for 400 years. Slavery is a terrible thing. Why did God allow slavery back then? Well, we don't know. But there were choices made on several levels. But ultimately, the people forgot about God in their time in Egypt. They didn't even know his name. Remember that part of the story? When God called Moses to Mount Sinai, and Moses knows he's Jewish, he just doesn't know God. Yeah. God also created the world, not just with like natural laws, but with supernatural laws, and and the world just kind of runs by those. So a supernatural law, even a natural law, is that sometimes innocent people are going to suffer at, at, because of the, of the whole culture. You know, so not everyone in the uh, within the Israelite culture maybe deserve you know slavery or things like that. But as a consequence, of just how the laws are set up, and we intuitively know this, and so so God is culpable for, for those things because we know if we do X, then then this Y is going to happen. This is going to happen, yeah. and we do it anyhow. Yeah. I I look all the time at Jeremiah and Daniel and Hazariah, Hananiah and Mishael. Hazariah and Mishael. Because they were righteous people. Godly people. Prophet of the Lord, Jeremiah. And Baruch. Serving the Lord. Preaching the gospel. Preaching. Repent. Get your act together or else God's going to send judgment. And he's going to take this whole place down. Not one stone left on top of it. He was righteous, and yet they wind up on the trail of tears to Babylon. What's fair about that? They never asked. They just were in a situation because of other people's decisions and choices. They found themselves in that circumstance. All they could do was be faithful to the Lord where they were, and God was going to be with them. And Daniel, boy, he could have had a really bad attitude, couldn't he? Same way with Joseph. You know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God was planting someone there, planting seed in the Old Testament. Joseph, that was going to rise up to turn things around for the people of Israel. So, there's a lot of things we don't know about a lot of things. It's always dangerous to believe that you have to have knowledge of every reason that something transpired. Uh, they're trying to put together pieces of airplanes, right? Right now, down in Florida. The one that flew out of Columbus. They're trying to, it landed, you didn't hear about this? They left from from uh, Ohio and they flew down to Florida and both of their jet engine engines stopped at the same time. Oh. And they called Mayday 
Is this news to everybody? You watch the news? Well, yeah. yeah. They landed on, he says, we're going down. Both engines have gone down. We're going down. And they, they landed on the freeway. <laughs> That'll wake you up. Yeah. And, and <laughs> honey, what's that? <laughs> For both the pilot and the people driving cars. Yeah. The pilot and his co-pilot were killed in the crash. Yeah. The people walked away. Injured, but walked away. And uh, the the FTC, the, the aeronautical and space and whatever, they're doing the investigation. And what they do is they try to put all the pieces back together again. Right? right. Anytime there's a plane crash. Think about that. All the pieces to put, well, some of the pieces no longer exist. They were burned up. I mean, the metal heat was so uh, great, or uh, fiberglass, or whatever the plane was made out of. Uh, it's going to be a long time before they get a report back of what happened. And many times, they will come back with, the cause was un determinable. We can't determine what the cause. They're still, a year later, they're still working on the train derailment at East Palestine. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they're saying, well, it could have been this, and it could have been this, it probably was that, it might have been that. And they're still don't. Sometimes we just don't know. But as a believer, we can be confident of what we do know. Just like this blind man. He didn't know a lot, but he knew one thing. Yeah. I think it's important to point out that all the other worldviews, like we're, we're not in some kind of special space where, where we have a bunch of unanswered questions and they have everything answered. Right. Like we're not some kind of special case. If anything, we have way more answers to life in our, in our experience than, say, an atheist does. They have way more questions than they have to answer or that they have, you know, bad answers for. So it's important that, you know, if people approach us with that kind of stuff, that we realize, listen, you're not neutral. You've got all kinds of problems. Your ship is sinking. You know, so, so don't, don't talk about, you know, my ship being a little stuffed up here when you're going down like the Titanic. You know, everybody's got to answer questions. If you ever have a chance, and some of you have already, going to the Creation Museum, some of the things there I find fascinating, many of the things. But one of them is the population area. Anybody remember seeing that? Have you been to the... Creation Museum. Creation Museum. Oh, I think so. The what? Oh, he said something about the Titanic. No, he said something about it. You knew you heard it somewhere. Right? <laughs> you knew you heard it somewhere. Yeah, the Titanic. But look how many years it's been since the Titanic. And they're still debating how it went down. Half of them said it went down whole. The other half of the evidence says no, broken too. Yeah, broken pieces. We don't know, but we do know what went down. Well, let me get back to where I'm going here. Uh, when you go to the, the Creation Museum, one, they have one segment about world population. And it is fascinating. I, 
I, I love this part of it because they're saying that all these people that have a, a huge time frame of how long people have been on the planet, and they just millions of years and this, that, and the other, and, you know, all this kind of thing, and the statistics of how from, if it started with uh, evolutionary theories, you would have to have multiple simultaneous evolutions in duplicate all over the world, right? Because you couldn't have something get up to a certain level and the other other partner of that not be up to that level and we're dead, you know, we're done, we're gone. And you would have to have it all over the planet. And what the population would be if mankind had existed for all these thousands and thousands of years, the population would fill the entire planet. But if you take the bibli biblical account of Adam and Eve, and then you get up to a place where the sins of the people got to a place where God said, I will destroy all of mankind. And how many were safe on the ark? Eight. Eight. And if you take the math and figure it out with just some of the generations we have listed, we don't have all the generations and everything listed in the Bible. There's no room for that. But the current world population, it's right on par with the mathematical calculations of a post-flood giving of life. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable. But there's no shame in saying, I don't know. But what should you always go along with that? Somebody asks you a Bible question, how many of you have had to say, I don't know. Anybody? Okay, tomorrow. Yeah. I'll get back to you. I'm going to get back. I'm going to study. I'm going to. If there's an answer, I'm going to try and find it. And you go to the Word. You go to. You go to resources, and you you do due diligence, and you try to share with them possibilities of an answer. There are some things we will never know. What are some things we will never know? Excellent. What? We won't know how God created everything for nothing. Right. We won't. We won't know how that worked. How God remains outside of time. How He is unchanged. How He's unchanged. Time and un eternity. He stepped back from his from his position and created all things with a spoken word. I don't understand that. I don't know. I don't know. He said we wouldn't know. And uh, how the planets. And galaxies stay on their course with no visible means of doing so. All the forces and things that exist in all of creation. I don't know. What are some other things that we will never know? Well, there's some things we will know someday. Because the Bible says we will know even as we are known someday. But what are some other things? We, we, we're not going to know. Yeah. Uh, on a plaque over there at that museum, 
It said the earth was like 6,000 years old because of the So they said 10,000. Huh? It said 6 because uh, God made everything in 6,000. Six days, a day is a thousand years. So up there on that plaque, it says six. No, you, you didn't see that at the creation museum. Yes, I did. Oh, okay, I'm saying that's that's a theory segment, but they don't believe in thousand-year days in the creation museum. That's not one of their tenets. They don't do that. No. They don't. They don't no, do that. no they, they, they might believe that the universe is... 10,000 years and the yeah. earth is 6,000 years or, or 4,000 years or whatever, but it's not based on that idea that one day is 1,000 years. It's based on genealogies yeah. and being able to actually map out uh, how much time is on that back. I can't use those words. Okay. Well, okay, fine. fine. I don't know, man. I have to look it up. I don't know. Okay. Well, what, what is your point? My point is that. Everybody's talking millions and billions of years, rocks are and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking of six days and one day could be a thousand years, could be more than that. But he said one day is a thousand years. So that's where they get the six thousand. And I always thought millions and billions according to all these scientists. Well, throw another million at it and they think that that will make something become, nothing become something. <laughs> Add enough time to it. Well, the way I, I like to view it is that everything that God created, spoke into existence, he created with time already in it. Right. He didn't create a pebble, he created a mountain. Yeah. You know, he didn't create a seed, he created a tree that was ready to bear seed. And he didn't create fruit, he created a tree with fruit already on it, ready to be picked and eaten. So there was time already in everything he created. So, yeah. but. What I'm trying to get at, we don't know a lot of things, a lot of things. Anything else, we just don't know. Do you know the day that the Lord's coming back? No. We don't know. Are we ever going to know? No. Well, right at that moment. <laughs> right at that moment, oh, yeah. in the twinkling of an eye, yes. oh, it's now. You know, then we'll know, even as we are known. But don't be afraid to admit you don't know. This is one of the biggest lies of the devil to believers. You can't witness because if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you're going to appear stupid. Right. Fear not. Right. We're stupid anyway. Bottom line. Well, how many of you admit that you don't know everything? Right. Not everything. Should we? Not. I don't think you do. I don't even know what I don't know. Yeah. He who knows and knows that he knows, knows not that he knows not. That's, yes. And he who knows not, knows not that he knows that he knows not. We don't know why some people get sick some, when some people, when our loved ones die. We don't know. Yeah. We don't it's, know. So it's, it's, and we don't know why bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Right. It's, just, it's part of the, uh, the we don't imperfect, imperfect world we live in. And it's an important for us to, as believers to be secure in that fact that we're never going to know everything and we may not know the reason for something until we get home to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then he's going to fill us in. But he's always working in that situation. Yeah. No matter what happens, he's all around and he knows and why and if something happens afterwards, people get saved. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know 
at that point it hurts, but it's all in his plan. And when you think about the intricacies of the Word of God and the, the history of God's people, God foreordained his creation. And he called Abraham to one certain place to sacrifice his only son, his only begotten son. Mm -hmm. And then thousands of years later, his only begotten son, Jesus, went to the same place. Mm -hmm. And they platted a crown of thorns on his head. Where was the, the ram found on Mount Moriah? Caught by his horns with the, with the thorns. Uh, all of these things, they're not an accident. They're not a happenstance. We don't know, but God knows. And in this story, well, let, let's take another thing that we don't know that was mentioned earlier. Why in the world did he spit on the ground, make clay out of it, and then put it on the guy's eyes? <laughs> right. Why, why did he do that? We could all say, we don't know. We don't know. So we could sit here and think about why he did that. Some say he did it to mess us up because some people think, well, I know exactly how to heal people. Well, Jesus, sometimes he spit on them, you know, sometimes he made clay and slapped it on them, sometimes he just spoke the word, sometimes he spoke the word from the next town. You know, and so sometimes, uh, as we look at it, Jesus doesn't want us to get into some spiritual rut where we think we know how God heals. Another aspect uh, that's interesting to study, what day did this happen on? Sabbath. What are you not allowed to do on the Sabbath? And according to Pharisaical rules, there are some certain things that you're not allowed to do according to Old Testament Torah law on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to do anything physical. Not allowed to do anything physical, but they get even more specific. Travel. Can't not spit. To travel. Huh? Can't spit. Oh, you can spit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to spit, yes. No. You're not allowed to knead dough or to make clay. Really? <laughs> Okay. You're not allowed to knead, knead dough. You're not allowed to knead dough or make clay for bricks or pottery. Because it's work. You're using the work of your hands. And so, so uh, some suggest that perhaps this is it. We don't know, but it's really kind of cool when you read the Torah law and see and the corresponding Talmud, which is an interpretation of Torah law, kneading of bread into dough or kneading clay into a pottery vessel. It's considered work of your hands. Work of your hands, yeah. The man, the man says several times, though, when I ask, he said, he made clay. <clears throat> he made clay. So the Pharisees weren't there to actually see it, so they're thinking, 
That would drive him crazy there. He made clay. He's he, got to he, he, Yeah. He's got You know you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you're a sinner. You've got to be a sinner. You've got to be a sinner. You're making clay on the, on the Sabbath day. But uh, so the interpretation of people versus what Jesus, I mean, he's the living word. He ought to know what he meant. You know, He was trying to say, you're not supposed to go out to work like every. This is to be a day where you rest and you give praise to God. Well, what could be greater praise to God, glory to God, than a man who was blind now sees? And the other aspect is it wasn't really work. Jesus didn't break a sweat. It wasn't the work of his hands. He just put the put the clay on there, put it in, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now do you remember what the pool of Siloam was about two chapters ago. Where yeah, the, don't they, yeah, they, they, on they the would, Feast of Tabernacles. They would just hang out there and then when they No, that was Bethesda. Oh, sorry. Pool of Siloam. Dang, they had just they, get those festivals in it. <laughs> the, the Feast of Tabernacles or booths, the high priest would go down on the great high last day of the feast and go to the pool of Siloam and dip up the water and come up to the temple and pour it out reminding them that water came from the rock in the wilderness and at that point what does Jesus cry out at the temple no he didn't say that <laughs> And he he says, come unto me all you who thirst. He's the living water. And then he says, I am also the light of the world. And in all of the I am statements, right before, after, or right in the middle, Jesus does a miracle to illustrate it. And here, he does the miracle of turning the lights on to a man who was born blind, who had never seen, ever seen. And yet, now the light comes on. And uh, it even references that later on. So, anything else that we don't know? Oh, there's probably a bunch of stuff in the story we don't know. No, he just said, the farmers are working, and they have to work sometimes, because he was healing somebody, and they accused him of working on the Sabbath, and he said, don't the farmers or whatever have to milk the cow? No. Well, something like okay, that. Okay, I'll tell you what it was. My memory is wrong, but that's he said, He said, if your oxen falls into a ditch, cow, oxen, which of you would not help them out? You're not working with them, you're not plowing with them, but if your oxen is falling over into a ditch. It's not work. You're not going out to plow the fields. You're just protecting your investment. And Jesus is trying to get them. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man to rest. You know, so he's just trying to set those stipulations out. So here we find that we don't know the guy's name. We don't know his parents' name. We don't know the name of all the people in this thing except the disciples who started the discussion. And we know Jesus' name. And we don't, we don't know how old he was. 
We don't know where Jesus went after he healed the guy, but they tracked him down. We don't know uh, the spiritual condition of the blind man or his parents. <coughs> but is there any hint in this story that they were devout Jews? Is there anything in the story that suggests that they were devout Jews? Yeah, they didn't want to lose their place. Of they did not want to be booted out of the synagogue. They did not want to be booted out of the synagogue. They would play it close to the best. So, we don't know a lot of things. But what did we know? Remember when the people started looking at him and says, that's a guy that was blind from birth. And what did some other people say? Nah, just he it just looks like him. He's a strong doppelganger. He just looks like him. And then the guy says, No, I'm I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Well, how come you're seeing? Well, there was this man, Jesus. Then he answered and said to them, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. He didn't know anything about Jesus. But one thing I know. Though I was blind, now I see. This whole concept of the bottom line here. There could be many things about the Bible we just don't know. Many things about situations, miracles. Uh, why did that happen? Why didn't that happen? All of these things. The enemy of your soul and mine wants to cloud us in the I don't knows. Just like I've messed with you tonight. So many things we don't know. But, if we hone in and focus on what we do know, this man was blind. Now he sees. And it was all because of Jesus. Well, why did this happen? Why, well, what we do know, what are some things we definitely know for sure about Jesus God and His Word and ourselves in relationship. What are some things that we can know within ourselves? We can know for sure. Jesus, God is real. Jesus rose from the dead. He's real. He rose from the dead. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. By faith, He's coming again. He's going to keep His Word. We can know these things. What are some other things we can know for sure? We may not have all the answers to every biblical question. We may not know exactly what verse it's found in. But what can we know about the Word? Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You can hide God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against God. You can know that it's true. It's it's. That Jesus was the living word. We know all of these things. So why do we focus so much on what we don't know? What, why, what is there about us as human beings that we focus on what we don't know to the exclusion of what we do know? Yeah. But the closer that we get to him as far as reading scriptures and everything and praying, the farther away we know we are. And that's... Uh, yeah, we, we, the closer we get to him, 
the more we realize, just just like uh, uh, I can start. How many of you ever had this happen? You start out the day and you put on a nice outfit, and you walk out, and it looks fine inside. And you get outside, or you get in front of your your wife. This is are you that? Well, that that was. That was, that was my plan. Don't you see all the spots on the front of that thing? No. If I'd seen them, I'd have connected the dots and made a picture. No, I, I didn't see them. Uh, but when we get out of the light, oh my goodness. Have you ever done this? I did this not long ago. I went out and I had two different shoes on. They were both athletic shoes. One was an Adidas and one was a, a Puma. <laughs> and uh, this was a couple years ago this happened, but I was up at, uh, we'd gone up for Alyssa's high school graduation, and uh, I'm wearing these shoes that I thought were black matched shoes. And she says, Grandpa, <laughs> you realize you have two different shoes? <laughs> she was always my fashion coordinator. She's the grandchild that said, Grandpa, if you're wearing those Velcro attached uh, tennis shoes in the mall, I ain't walking with you. <laughs> but, so I'm standing there, I'm looking down. I didn't bring any other shoes. I've just got this pair. They're not a pair. I've got, and there's the, the Nike stripe on one and the Puma stripe on the other, and they're not the same. And so I went, I, I I was very embarrassed. I didn't want to go without shoes. I didn't want to buy another pair of shoes. So I asked my son-in-law, Scott, do you have any black duct tape? Oh. <laughs> and I fashioned <laughs> the Puma uh, mark could be fashioned if you cut it off a little bit and make it look kind of like the Nike swoosh. <laughs> but, the closer you get to Jesus, it's a good thing, but also you see other imperfections Amen. that need to be dealt with. What are some other ways that we can look at this as far as what's some things we know for sure and to focus on that? Why do we focus on what we don't know more than what we actually do know? Focus on him and he'll guide you. Focus on him and he'll give you guidance and direction. Well, this man cut to the chase with all the unknowns in this story. Everybody walked around and said, I don't know. When you look at all the, I don't know, I don't have a clue. In this story, here's a man who was blind his entire life. But he cuts to the chase. He says, I'll tell you what I do know. I don't know anything else about all this stuff. I don't know what you're talking about, but I know this. When I came here this morning, and every day of my life up to this point, I was blind. But now I see. And the one who made the difference between my blindness and my sight, his name was Jesus. He says, I'm just going to tell you about him. And he started off telling people it was Jesus that did the work. 
He didn't give credit to anybody else. He said, it was Jesus. His name was Jesus. And he made, had, told me to, he made clay, put it on my eyes, told me to wash. I had a part to play in this. Uh, I did what he said, and boom, I'm healed. To focus on what we know, that he is a loving God, he has a plan and a purpose, but we won't always know what's going on. Uh, can you think of an Old Testament fellow who thought he knew what was going on, but he was mistaken about his bad situation? Is a, a three-letter name. Job. 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 <laughs> job. <laughs> Book of Job. It's a, a training manual. No, Job. What did Job think was happening? What did Job think was happening? He's being punished. God was. He thought that God did it. God took away everything. What did his friends think? He sinned. You sinned, and God did. Mm -hmm. yeah. God was the, the villain in this whole thing. His wife, too. His wife. Cursed God and died. Yeah. I hate seeing you suffer like this. Yeah. Uh, put an end to it. If you curse God, he'll knock you. He'll knock you dead. Uh, but he was mistaken. He didn't know. Because what was the real story that was going on? Who was the real villain here? Satan. God gave Satan. him permission to do the job what he did. Except Satan, Satan went to God and said, uh, God says, have you, have you taken a look at Job? Uh, he's, he's living in an unholy time, and yet he serves me and he worships me. He's full of faith. He has a love that guy. <laughs> and says, well, you know, uh, does he serve you in vain? You know, look at all he has. What's his? Take it all away. I trust him. I, I believe he's going to stand firm. So Satan commenced to take everything away. And then, when everything was taken away, the Lord says, Naked came, came I into the world, and naked I'll go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Even though he was confused, mm -hmm. he didn't blame God. He just accepted. And Satan then says, well, yeah, uh, if you take away his health, then he'll curse you to your face. He says, go for it. And Satan went and just covered him with boils. Have you ever had one? A boil? Mm -hmm. An abscess? A cheap box. That was horrible. This is chicken pox on steroids. This is like uh, shingles on steroids. Did you enjoy your shingles, Val? This is all over his body. He couldn't stand up, sit down, or lay down without being in excruciating pain. It, it's so bad that he's scraping off the tops of these boils to try and get some relief that it's a different kind of pain. And then his friends come and mess with him. But in all this, Job sinned not, nor falsely blamed God. Uh, but he didn't know. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't find out till later. And at the end of the whole 
story of Job, Job gets to the place where even though his friends had treated him shamefully, and he was still in pain, and he was still hurting, and everything was still gone, and he had no reason to be hopeful, he prayed for them. Mm -hmm. And God says, looked at Satan and said, see that? And then God blessed him with twice as much as he had before. We, many times, will not know what's going on around about us and in our lives. And we can, we can, we can be overwhelmed by it sometimes. Amen? Mm -hmm. His wife died. What? His wife died too, I don't know. No. Okay. No. No, she hung around. Uh, but, uh, we may not know what's going on, but if we put our trust in God, we can know one thing. He's a God and He loves you. He's God and He loves you. Jesus loves you and died for you. And He's coming again for you. And whether you go through death or through the clouds and rapture, you're going to be home forever. And that's what we can know. And it might be a way of, of talking to some people that are so hung up on the unknowns, you say, well, I don't know that, but I know this. God loves you. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. That'll put a nip in the conversation. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop there for tonight. Just one thing he knew. Once I was blind, and now I can see. There's an old hymn. I'm not going to try and play it tonight. But... Uh, I've been having difficulty with my playback menus this morning and today. Uh, there's an old hymn in the in the hymnal that says, The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, His glory comes in. The light of the world is Jesus. It goes on in some of the verses and talks. Once I was blind, but now I can see the light of the world is Jesus. Things that we can know. Things that we don't know. We know Jesus. What are some prayer requests that we have today? Uh, we had a prayer request this morning and we continue with it. Uh, Kate had a surgery this past week and uh, is just having a lot of bounce back from this uh, surgery and she needs prayer. Uh, Sierra uh, Keast also had surgery. She's doing well, but she needs continued uh, prayer. Mike is doing well. He's up and walking around with a cane or a walker and uh, he's hoping to maybe be at the banquet tomorrow night. Uh, if you're signed up, be sure to be there. If you didn't sign up, let me know. And I think I can squeeze you in because we've got a private room at the Golden Corral at 630. Uh, other prayer requests tonight. My son and wife. Son and wife. Abby, we're tall. Abby's tall. Take her third surgery here. Hopefully this mm. is done. Because she's starting to get on your nerves, driving you crazy. 
Well, she's beating you in putt putt. She is. Actually, I think, I think her, uh, I mean, this is a, a praise report too. Her first surgery, she woke up and seemed to be in quite a bit of pain. Um, probably a lot of emotions, the nurse said, probably. But that, like this second time, man, she wasn't nervous at all for the surgery. And then after the surgery, man, she was, she did really well. So that was, uh, that was a blessing. Scott, the, uh, I haven't heard any update reports. I know that uh, uh, Stephanie and, and uh, Christopher are home, but uh, anybody heard any other updates? No, he just had pictures on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so if you yeah. want to get him to smile when you see him on Sunday, <laughs> say, can I see the pictures? Okay. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he's got, a he's got one with Isaiah and Christopher side by side. Mm -hmm. Other prayer requests tonight. We want to pray for unsaved loved ones. Uh, maybe the Lord brought to mind somebody that asked you a question and you had to say, I just don't know. But maybe an open door to say, I don't know the answer to that question, but this I one thing I do know. An opportunity to, to talk with them about the Lord. Anybody else have prayer requests tonight? Tom's been under the weather. I forgot to mention that. And uh, you say he had kind of what you guys had? I think so. Okay. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. And uh, so be praying for them, Tom and Marcia. Let's go to prayer. Can we have a few people lead us out in prayer? And I'll close it in just a little bit.
Heavenly Father, when we're bombarded with things we just don't know, remind us of who you are. We can say along with Paul, I know whom I have believed in. And I know I'm persuaded that you're able to keep us against that day. Thank you, Father, for what we can know and who we know. Give us an opportunity to share some of that knowledge with others, that personal experiential knowledge, not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, that you love us and you have wonderful plans for our life and even better plans for our eternity. We pray for those that are recuperating from surgery, those that are in the midst of, of physical problems, those that need a healing today, those that need encouragement, they're just kind of beat down by the situations of the world. We run to the rock of our salvation today. We pray your blessing upon each one as we go. Give us an opportunity to share with somebody in the remainder of this week what we know, that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their lives. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Pastor, he says be married or burn. Be married or burn. I'm married. I know Mary can go through the Bible.
I mean, when, where do we stop? Can we say that if two men love each other and they're... No, no, no. No, wait a second. It's Bible. But it's also Bible. Shows the other. Yeah, not it's, 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 it is, but there's a different way of marrying people all across the world. What's that? There's a different way of marrying people all across the world. But there is a point in which... It's not the same way we do it here. Yeah, but there is a point in which people are married, a point before they're married, and then a point where they're married. It's, it's never... A long process, and when it is, yes, it com its a culmination is to it, a point where they're going to be blessed. If the marriage is done by a drunk judge or a drunk mayor of a town, What's or that? a drunk captain of a ship, well, then people all have the authority to marry somebody. Sure, right. And is it more blessed to marry if they're married by a drunk judge or no, a drunk mayor? That's not a comparison. It's what? not marriage is between a man and a woman, and all I do as an officiant is in a public setting, uh, we greet people and say, we are gathered together in the sight of God yeah. and in the presence of this company to join together this man and this woman right. in holy matrimony, which is an estate instituted of God yeah. and commented on as good and holy and righteous that Jesus commended with his first miracle in the uh, kingdom of Galilee and is not to be entered into unadvisedly, but reverently, discreetly, in the fear of God. Reverently. I'm just and wondering, so, like, and I'm just wondering. Drunk yeah. judges aren't reverently. I, listen, I'm just wondering, like, what you're getting at. Do you think that in some cases it's okay that no. if two people are committed and they love... No, listen, I'm, I'm... I know. Just hear me out. I'm talking Christians. Just hear me out. Okay, so two Christians, do you think it's ever okay? For two Christians who are in a loving, committed, monogamous relationship to sleep together before they're married. Uh, well, Do you think it's a sin to have a I always thought so. But then I wonder seeing all these people get married and not that, that blessed. The situations don't matter. It's what the Bible says that matters. Yeah, are they married if they reach up to the sky and say, Lord, we ask you to Okay, yes, yeah, so if there's, if I, if just me and Chris are the only two people on the planet, well, and there's nobody to officiate a wedding somewhere, and your life's coming to an end. Well, that, that, we're talking about a totally different situation. Yeah. Because, listen, there are exceptions to every rule. If there was nobody to marry Carissa and I, I could still come into a marriage between her, me, and God. That's what I'm saying. But we're not in a position anywhere that I know in all of the world where two people can't find somebody to legally marry them in whatever culture they're in, however they do it. So is there somebody in your life who is, says they're a Christian, who is sitting outside? I just know some that are probably having an affair and they're Christians and they go to a Bible preaching church. And I and I see it all over, and I know some all over. They're in sin. They're going to church and living in sin. Sin yeah. willfully. It's it's, willfully it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard, especially in our culture. It's what I hear all the time. Why should I wait for marriage? And and it, 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 especially if they're not a Christian, I'll say do whatever you want. This is what the Bible says. As Christians, this is how this is how we function. Well, you know. Over the years, I have had to. Uh, I've had individuals, I would love to involve them in the church, but they were living together. But they came into a place where they saw that they needed to have their marriage 
performed in the sight of God and come under God's blessing. They weren't saved yet. You huh? said they were living in sin. They weren't saved yet. They were living in sin, but they, they, they had asked Jesus to be their Savior, but he was not controlling their lives. They were in well, sin. There's so many times that we do things we're not supposed to when we're true. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean we could give a pass to it. I mean, listen, and it's hard. I get it. I mean, I would listen. Of all things, abortion, I would or no LGBTQIA, I would there. love to say, yeah, it's okay. Love is love, Mary. It would be way easier for me. Because then people wouldn't harass me and give me art. I wish the Bible and God were okay with that. It would make things way simpler on me. That's but he's just not. So that's, I, that's murder, that's no, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about abortion. I, I misspoke. I'm talking about LGBTQ. I don't know what that is. It's it's lesbian, gay, bisexual. Oh, 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 oh. Homosexual. But that's all in the Bible. I know. I wish. Read Romans chapter one. Verse right. I know. I wish it wasn't. That's my point. Because I there are certain things. But there are the those who say that they are Christians that are engaged in homosexuality. I had her that way. Yeah. But but now she turned away from the sin, and she's follow trying to follow the Lord and live for the Lord, but she was. Living in sin and going to a church where they accepted gay. Yeah, yeah, right. But she knows it's wrong, and now she's trying to get closer and closer to the Lord. That's good. That's but true. See, I, I've been through this experience. But we cannot, we cannot compromise what the I Bible know. teaches because the world is on a march towards hell. I know that. We're getting closer and closer. And the whole story of Valentine, he could have compromised and not performed the Christian marriages and not lost his life. But he might have lost his soul. If they're married by an unsaved person and a, and a drunk mayor or a drunk small mayor of a town, is that a blessed thing? It doesn't matter. It's legal. It is. It's illegal, but it's also, binding. it's also binding between them and God. It's more about the condition of their heart. Uh, before God than it is about... Well, can they have that air condition without that drunk mayor? Well, no, no, because <laughs> they, they have to have... I'm not trying to be... I know marriage is... I know, I know, know that. I do. I'm just wondering about things. When, well, I know I, a lot of Christians in a lot of churches across the world just wrong, believe right. that it's okay. They love each other. Well, they're they wrong. The Lord. I know, I know. It's I know it's, and look, it's just because... Engaged. It doesn't matter. It's still not marriage. As a pastor, I've had Why? to have... Because it's, in, it's called engaged for a reason. It's not called marriage. It's called being engaged. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I, that's why you have a short... I did a short engagement. You know what? I'm like, there is no way I'm going to be able to wait. So I'm going to get married in less than six months. So I had a short engagement because I knew that I, I wasn't playing around here. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't... I, so listen, I didn't want to live in sin. <laughs> I think it's way over with now. <laughs> Sorry, it's nothing nobody doesn't know. Bro. <laughs> no, no. It's, nothing nobody does, bro. it's, it's still on until the light goes up. You have a <laughs> great. You have any? Did you hear that? <laughs> you have any idea where where I will possibly be at in the Book of John that date in April? I have no idea. So I won't know till like the week before. Yeah, week before. I'm not trying to accept. This is like you throwing me under the bus at one time and giving me that that funeral. Uh, non-Christian suicide. 